How's that? Better? All right, let's start this over. There's no way. (laughs) There's no way. As we look at our second Advent story here, this is the sentiment that the priest Zechariah in the early part of Luke 1 holds, that there's no way that God will show up like that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there for a moment. We're jumping right into things today. Good morning. My name's Cole. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I'd love to meet you in the lobby after the service. (laughs) Uh, But this, this is one of those annunciation stories that Pastor Ricky spoke of last week. Before the angel Gabriel goes to Mary, he stops with Zechariah. And these stories are very similar, but they're also very different. And it's in those differences that I encourage you to look at this passage with new eyes today. So Luke 1, we're going to start reading in verse 8. But before we do, just a little background. The main character that we focus on today is Zechariah. He's a priest. He's married to Elizabeth, who is one of Mary's relatives. And Scripture says that they're both righteous and blameless in the eyes of everyone when it comes to the Lord's commands. So they're good people. And it also says that they uh, haven't been able to have children, and now the Bible kindly says uh, they're both getting on in years. And so with this background, let's pick up the story in verse 8. Once when he was serving as priest, Zechariah that is, before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. For with the spirit of power and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And to all of that, Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news, but now because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. There's no way. This is Zechariah's response to the angel Gabriel, the priest, blameless before men, an elder in his community, honored, revered, completely pure in this moment to enter God's presence, offering an incense sacrifice at the very moment Gabriel meets him in the inner part of the temple where God is said to be present. A man so clearly dedicated to God is startled when an angel of God shows up, is completely encapsulated by fear, and ends up saying the math doesn't add up. 
It's either that Zechariah is so familiar with seeing angels that he's comfortable arguing with them, or maybe there's something else at play. And I think there's something else at play. Let's see if you see what I see. For me, this could be any of us. Often we're left mute, standing in disbelief of something that God says that he will do in our lives. Now to clarify, there are, they are getting on in years, and there's plenty of young families who would be just as shocked to hear that they were pregnant, and this is not a story about faith in the midst of infertility. This is a story about being careful with how we respond to a movement of God in a new way in our life. Zechariah's first response to a new movement of God is to simply say, there's no way that that is possible. How will I know? (laughs) She's going to be pregnant, Zechariah. Just hold on for like a trimester or so. You'll get all the sign that you need as the baby grows inside of her, right? Zechariah, his first response is that there's no way this is possible. But this happens in our life all the time too. We see clear signs that God wants to move in a new way, and even though we see them, we still won't believe. We like to kid ourselves that God is still active and moving today, yet we aren't open to anything that looks any different than the faith we likely grew up with. The most difficult reality that we have to come to terms terms with and what we have to pay attention to in Zechariah's story so we don't make the same mistake is that when it comes to long-standing people of faith, often the most righteous, committed, thoughtful, educated followers of Jesus miss God's Spirit moving in new ways. We're very comfortable with how God has moved in the past, and if we're honest, we're not looking for anything new or, or what's next. The joy of Advent, though, The joy of Advent is that yearly we remind ourselves that God is up to something new in our lives today, just like he was 2,000 years ago in the story of Christ's birth. A faith that honors tradition and history is very wonderful and we absolutely need it. I would never suggest that we throw it away, but if Paul or the other apostles had that same logic that God is not up to anything new in our world, we likely wouldn't be here today and the death of Jesus would likely have been in vain. And so today, I just wanna share a couple of stories with you of what this has looked like in my life over the past few years, of how God has moved in new ways. And I wish I could tell you that I'm the hero of this story, but largely, I'm like Zechariah, the apathetic pastor who's left dumbfounded, unable to speak until God brings his stories to fruition. So here it goes, two stories, Mac and Dave. I've tried before, and if I'm honest, I still want to. And it's hard to keep your composure when you take a last-minute meeting before you're supposed to be heading to the beach for some vacation, and you find yourself sitting in a Starbucks, sipping overpriced coffee, sitting across the table from a ninth grader. And these are the words that she says, I've tried before, and if I'm honest, I still want to. And Mac was talking about her attempts to end her life. I'm really uncomfortable in my day-to-day. Since we moved here from the south, I don't know anybody. I don't have any friends. I'm the oldest of four siblings, so my problems are never the most important problems at home. And frankly, it's just hard to hear. And Mac meant that literally because she was born with a hearing impairment. And though she had cochlear implants, she struggled with self-esteem issues and mental health on the daily. 
You know something, Mac? God loves you. God loves you, and though we carry these burdens, God loves us and he's made us in our image, and if we'll just hold on long enough, he can transform our hearts, so stay, fight. Mac said, I really don't know anything about God, and though I would love to see him transform my life, I just don't know how he'll be able to save me at this point. And so other than having a very uncomfortable phone call with Mac's parents and waiting up late at night, wondering if you're going to get a phone call of the worst kind and pouring into Mac's life over the next year and a half with very little fruit being seen, it was just hard to see what God was going to do in her life. I just love meatballs. They're my favorite. Can I please have some more? I met Dave at a shelter I was helping at. Dave found it hard to stand up straight, spoke at nothing more than a soft whisper, and wasn't interested in anything other than picking out the specific meatballs from the crock pot that he wanted me to put on his plate. (laughs) I think by the end of the night, he had about 25, which is a lot of meatballs. (laughs) And my thoughts bounced back and forth between, man, this guy must have a really interesting story, and just take the meatballs I give you. It's not that important. They all taste the same. They're in the same sauce. And just because someone like me carries the title of pastor doesn't mean I don't have the same internal monologue as everyone else. (laughs) I wish it wasn't that way. I wish I were less like Zachariah and more like Elizabeth, his wife. She meets Jesus by way of his pregnant mother and immediately recognizes the Messiah is in her midst. John, the baby, does too. The text says, if you look in verse 40, Mary entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of of your womb. Just as old as Zechariah, just as revered, just as honored, just as loved, just as respected. And Elizabeth wastes no time in her recognition that God is moving in the miraculous conception and pregnancy of an unmarried teenage girl. For Elizabeth to notice this and recognize uh, God just shows how full of faith she was. Remember, it wasn't Elizabeth that Gabriel appeared to. It was Zechariah. God never appears to Elizabeth through an angel. Pregnancy is enough of a sign for her. But oh, the ways we would have likely questioned Mary. Oh, the ways we people of faith would have tried to explain away the whole situation or just left in disbelief. Or the ways in which we would have found the kindest way possible to say, show me the polygraph. Yet Elizabeth embraces her and sees how the very same God who moved in her life could do something even more impressive than pregnancy for someone getting on in years. Oh, how I want to be more like Elizabeth. To have faith that can recognize a new move of God in our midst, that I would know for certain that Jesus was with me just through the sound of my relative's voice, because if I could, I might not be so late to the party so often. I had to leave a mission trip in Philly a couple years ago because I had developed pneumonia, which should tell you a lot about what grows in the bunkhouses on mission trips. Uh, (laughs) But I needed care right away, and though that obviously wasn't enjoyable, I got a text from one of our leaders while I was away. It was a text that just said in all caps, WOW. And it was followed by one of the grainiest videos I've ever received. 
And uh, in it, you can see the speaker. And he's standing there wrapping up the week. And he says, is there anybody who has a story or a testimony from the week that they'd like to share? Uh, We'll just hand over the mic and you can take it from here. And running to the microphone, beating all the other kids there, the first person to grab the microphone is a face that I never thought I'd see. Oh my gosh, it's Mac. The same Mac who couldn't look in the mirror and like what she saw a few years ago. Starbucks Mac. Mac, who couldn't even open her mouth in the middle of one of our youth groups just to to answer a simple question, now stood before 300 students recounting her experience in Philadelphia where she took a group of other students and walked around handing out lunches to those who were experiencing homelessness and praying for them in front of everybody. Mac, who never prayed out loud before. Mac, who basically sat quiet in every youth group. Mac, who definitely never led anything. That same Mac, in spite of all of that, God did a new thing in her life. Give God enough time and he can transform the heart of a hopeless teenager. Mac became a vocal presence in our youth group. She led the younger kids. She volunteered in the church in other ways. She opened herself to all these new ways that God could move in her life. And on, as she was graduating out of our program, she preached a sermon in our church in front of the congregation. And God wants to do a new thing in your life too. Maybe you've been so closed off to new spiritual practices But maybe that's exactly where God wants to do a new thing. Maybe you just show up at church and you know it's better than staying home, but you're not interested in answering any call to action, but maybe that's where you'll meet Jesus. Maybe your teen or adult children are uh, showing you a different aspect to faith than what you passed down. Maybe it's better. So you can continue to push them away or you can listen and seek to understand. And maybe you've been burned by being generous and in the face of your generosity, others pushed you away. But healing that wound so you can grow might be the new thing that God wants to do in your life. Because if we can do that, oh, the wonder and the awe and the beauty that can flood from heaven to earth. Babies jump like Elizabeth. Mothers sing songs of praise like Mary just a few verses later in her Magnificat. Music to the ears of all who listen. I sat down at the community dinner table in the shelter I was serving and was shooting the breeze with uh, those who were crashing for the night and it was like beautiful music was playing in my head as they ate their meals and prepared their cots like music flooding earth from heaven. And then I realized, oh no, that's actually music. (laughs) and I started to look around the room and my eyes landed on an old piano in the corner with none other than, you guessed it, Dave. Hardly able to stand, speaking at nothing more than a whisper, picky meatball eater Dave, doing his best Stevie Wonder impression, making beautiful music in the midst of the situation he found himself in, unable to stand up straight and also unable to hide the talent that God gave him. It was in that moment that, again, I was reminded that we entertain angels unaware. And once again, like Zechariah, I'm left speechless by God. I'm left speechless by how God moves and works in new ways in the lives of people like Dave and Mac. And Advent, Advent is the yearly reminder that God is doing new things in your life now, just like he was 2,000 years ago. So this season, would you be aware of it? 
Would you be open to it? Because if you can, God can move powerfully in your life too. And I'm also so thankful for Jesus because like Zechariah, even though I missed it in the moment, I can't help but proclaim what God has done after the fact. And through Jesus, you have that chance too. You have the chance to tune in and look for the places where God is moving in new ways in your life. A few really practical ways I think we can apply this over the next few weeks as we continue through Advent. One of them is just to simply sit with this question and think about your answer to it. There's no way that God is moving in blank way. Fill in the blank and then ask God if that is true. Or maybe you need to start by taking a starting step on finding out what God's up to here at our church and see if that's something that might be new in your life. Moving forward, we're calling this Essentials. It's basically our membership class and how you can learn about this place and all the ways in which you could jump in and how we feel God is moving here. It might be completely different to you, but trust the Spirit will move in your life as you do that. Our first class is gonna be offered here in January and we'll offer another one in the fall and you can sign up for that on the Church Center app right now. That's an easy next step. But maybe you need to go deeper. Maybe you've been experiencing some of these new ways that you think that God might be moving in your life. And how will you ever know unless you test them out? How will you know? Maybe you need to have a conversation with a friend, somebody who you trust, somebody from the church that might help you see if that is a new direction that God is calling you to. And most importantly, we can all today participate by remembering. Remembering what God said he would do In the moment with Zechariah, he also did through his son. It came to completion. Advent is about remembering that God moves in new ways, and communion is about remembering the way that God moved and the new covenant that was established. And so we're going to move into a time of communion here, the church. If you are more comfortable with uh, the prepackaged elements You can slip your hand up now. Just keep it nice and high and the ushers will be around and they will provide those for you. But on the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave thanks, and then he broke it and gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the dinner was over, he took the cup and blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And as we prepare to take communion this morning, let's center our hearts on Christ through prayer, and as we do so, I invite the communion servers to come forward and start to get things ready and get into place. Would you bow your heads with me? Most merciful God, we give you thanks that you are a God who not only says you're going to do something new, but you are a God who brings those new things to fruition. And Lord, we thank you for the way that you moved 2,000 years ago for the way in which you provided a way that each and every one of us who confess our sins to you and claim Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life, not anything else, that we can have eternal life. 
Lord, before we approach your table this morning, we just want to take a few moments to address any uh, unconfessed sin in our life. As we move through this world on the monthly, daily, weekly basis, Lord, we know that we pick up sin along the way. Lord, would you hear your people as they confess to you this morning? God, we're thankful that your word says that if we'll confess our sins, you're faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and that our sin is now as far as the east is from the west from us. Thank you for your assurance of our forgiveness. And Lord, we thank you for your, most importantly for your son Jesus, for his sacrifice, for his teaching here on earth. And now we join in the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.